0: Hi there, you're listening to the Trinity Community Church Podcast. TCC, a home for you. How's everyone doing this morning? Great. Trying to get on the spot. So again, welcome. My name is Daniel Lumpkin. Those of you, some of you know who I am. Those of you that don't that's who I am. (laughs) I'm an elder here and today we take another step. Last week Pastor TJ talked about foundation. Today again we take another step and we talk about fruit. What is it? How do I develop it? Where does it come from? All those good things. And we're going to spend quite a bit of time in John 15, 1 through 16, with a few supporting verses. And so I challenge the first service that every time we read John 15, 16, I'm challenging you to to commit to memory that verse. And if you read it, Every time it comes up, that will help. Just a challenge. So, with that, let's go to John 15, chapter, or chapter 15, verse 16, and it reads, You did not choose me, but I chose you, and appointed you, that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this privilege and this opportunity to speak to your sons and daughters. And Father, I pray that they would have hearing ears and seeing eyes. That they would see and hear what you are saying specifically to them. Father, I pray that your word would go deep into the soil of their heart. And not only that, that word would bear fruit but it would bear fruit, some 30, some 60, and some 100-fold, fruit that would remain. Now, Father, I repose myself in you, all of you, and none of me think through my mind, speak through my vocal cords, Lord God, that every gift that is needful would be in operation. Father, we give you all the glory, the honor, and the praise that you alone would be glorified and your people would be edified. In Jesus' name we pray. And the church said? Amen. And the church said? Amen. Amen. I have to hydrate every so often. So, this is a very familiar passage to some but we're going to see what God speaks to us today. And, and you know, God's kind of tugging at my heart a little bit because Pastor TJ said something during praise and worship uh, about addiction, right? Like, I've had that issue in my life. And I know how shaming it could be to be called out. And I know how fearful and vulnerable it makes an individual to have to come up in front of a bunch of people and admit that they may have this issue, right? But, but let me say this, right? We family here, man. We are family. And secrets die in the light of exposure, right? Right? And he, here's something else, right? Like, unless we know what's going on, we don't know how to pray. Some people think that they need to get cleaned up before they come to God. But let me say this also. Christ is the bath. He is the bath that cleans you up. Like, you don't have to, like, concern yourself with trying to get this right, trying to get that right, worrying about what people may think, how they feel about you, you know what I mean? Because check this out, everybody got their own issue. For real, if truth be told, it may not be addiction, but some people just nasty, (laughs) right? Some people are just the most angriest individuals that you could ever meet, right? Some people deal with rejection. Some people deal with abandonment, trauma, mental illness. All of these things, are they're not nothing to be ashamed of. It's a part of your story. And check this out. Only God has the power, the love, the care, the intimacy to not only break the power of that thing but to also restore you to perfect well-being, health and wholeness and make you 100% sound in your mind, in your emotions and in your physical body. How can I say that? Because I'm a living witness to the power and the deliverance of my daddy God. And that's who he is to me. Right? Do I have it all together? Absolutely not. My wife will tell you that. But I know this about my heavenly father he loves me and he loves you too and his desire is that you bring that hurt that hang up or that habit to him and turn it over to him he can do more for it with it than you ever could so that's just a word of encouragement that's just a little bit of my love and encouragement towards whoever may, may be struggling. in. And it's not just, I'm not just talking about addiction. I'm talking about any area of your life that, that, that may have you locked down, right? God is the chain breaker, amen? Okay, now let's move on. So a lot of times people kind of, I've heard people say this, you know what I mean? You know what, Dan, I found God. Man, listen, I have found God. And I always would think, well, was God lost? You found God. But listen, the reality is God found us. God found us, right? We were sinners lost, right? Broken. And a loving, caring God loved us while we were yet sinners, pursued us, and check this out. Not only did he pursue us, he chose us. He chose us. Imagine that. Whatever it is you might be struggling with today, a loving, caring father is pursuing you to wrap his big old loving, powerful arms around you today. Amen? And he seeks us to restore us. And he chose us, but why? Why would God think about this? Because we all like, listen, I don't know you. Personally, in an intimate way, to know your idiosyncrasies, but God does. God knows your failures, He knows your hurts, He knows your hang ups, and He knows them more intimately and perfectly than you do. But He still chooses you. That's powerful. Think about that for a minute. Romans 7, 4, 6 says this. Therefore, my brethren, (coughs) you also have become dead to the law through the body of Christ that you may be married to another, to him who was raised from the dead, that we should bear fruit to God. For when we were in the flesh, The sinful passions which were aroused by the law were at work in our members to bear fruit to death, but now we have been delivered from the law, having died to what we were held by so that we should serve in the newness of the spirit and not in the oldness of the letter." 2 Corinthians, and I believe because I left something out here because it says six B, but that's not accurate. I think it's um, I don't know. Somebody help me out. What does the, well? Anyway, let me just say the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. So Jesus chose you and me. Listen at this now, so that we could experience life. Experience life. And be made free from death so that we could bear fruit unto God. That is one purpose for why Jesus chose you and I. The word fruit comes from the Greek word karpos. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, but I think it is. Karpos. Thank you. Fruit is the visible expression of power working inwardly and invisibly. And it's the character of the fruit that would be the evidence of the character of the power producing it. Or, simply put, those that are brought into living union with Christ. Matthew 7, 16 says that you will know them by their fruit. You will know them by their fruit. So I wonder, I wonder, what type of fruit are you known by? At your work, in your community, with your spouse, with your significant other? Something to think about. So let's look at the passage again. Now, I said we're going to be looking at John 15, 16 for a little bit. So it would be very easy to commit this to memory. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. Now, we take another step further and we see that we were also appointed or ordained by God to be assigned a place, literally. The word literally means also to be set beforehand, appointed or determined or pre-appointed for a set time. See, in the mind of God, Even before you were formed in your mother's womb, God had a plan for your life. And at the set time, he found you, he chose you, and he wants to do some more stuff in your life, amen? So now we see that we've been chosen and appointed by God to bear fruit, but there's more. Let's move on. John 15, 16, again, I'm telling you, you should be able to commit this to memory. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you, that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you now let's go to Matthew 28 18 through 20 and Jesus came and spoke to them saying all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth go therefore and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Verse 20. Teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. See, God had a plan. And that plan included you and me. Because Jesus was preparing to go back to the Father. He was finishing the work that he was sent to do. That in order for the gospel to go across the world and impact more people with God's love, his power, and his presence. Sounds like something Trinity's called to do, right? God's called us to go into all the world. So now we see that we've been chosen by God, we've been appointed by God to bear fruit to go out into all the world. Amen? But how do we produce the fruit? Well, I'm glad you asked. For that, let's go to John 15, verse 1. Now, let me set the setting here. John chapters. 14, 13 through 16 are known as the upper room discourse, right? Jesus is preparing his disciples for his departure, but he's giving them some last minute instructions, insights, kind of some tips. He's, he's washing the disciples' feet, he's telling them about You'll do greater works than me. He's, he's giving them information about the Father and what the Father will mean to them. He, he's telling them about the Holy Spirit will come. I will send him back to you. He, he's kind of giving them last-minute instructions because he knows he's getting ready to leave them. And so he begins, like they had just finished the, um, the Last Supper, You know, and so the last supper is over, they had gotten up, and now they're walking through Jerusalem, and Jesus comes to a vineyard, and he begins to rub his hands across the trellis of the vines, and listen at what he says. I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it would bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Now, here Jesus is clearly using this illustration as the source of of life, not only for the disciples, but for us too, and how life is cultivated. And that life, ladies and gentlemen, is known as the vine life. It is the life of Jesus Christ himself. But notice what he says about the branches, though. But if the branch connected to the vine doesn't bear fruit, he, he takes it away. What is that about? Well, it's not what we think. That word takes away in the Greek is the word iro. It means to raise up or to lift up. And he also talks about the branches that bear fruit, pruning those branches. That word means Kathiro, that's the Greek name, and it means to cleanse or eliminating what is fruitless by pruning. You see, the work of ensuring that the branches bear fruit is the work of the Father working in tandem with the Son and the Holy Spirit, because it's the Spirit that gives life. The flesh profits nothing. Let me explain. Before you came to Christ, right, you didn't know about the vine life. So you begin your life in Christ trying to achieve through your own effort. And you find out it's a little frustrating because it won't work. It won't work and last, it might work for a while, but the life that is sustaining and that bears the fruit that God requires comes from Him. It comes from Christ, who is the source of life. John six sixty three says this, it is the Spirit who gives life. Not, not your education, not, not the 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 newest self-help book, not uh, the meeting you may go to. Now, don't get me wrong; meetings are important, in their in their right place. But it is the spirit that gives life. The flesh profits nothing. What do I mean by the flesh? Well. I'm sure everybody's familiar with the story of Abraham and Sarah, right? Because Abra- well, Sarah got the handmaid to get with Abraham thinking that they were going to produce the promise. And it didn't happen. Self-effort. They tried to help God out. God does not need our help. He is fully capable of performing that which he asked of us, because it all comes from him. Trust me, the flesh profits nothing. And in John fifteen three, we have already read that you are already clean because of the words which I have spoken to you. When Jesus was with the disciples... His words had already made the disciples clean. Him just simply being there with them made them clean, right? For his words were always full of spirit and they were always full of life. It's the word of God that will keep you clean from the contaminants of the world. You are already clean through salvation. You All you only need to do now is stay in the Word. Stay in the Word. Stay in the Word. And let me just ask the question. Matter of fact, let's just take a pause right here. I'm going to ask the question. You don't need to raise your hand. This is for you. I wonder how many of us take time on a daily basis, and when I say daily basis, let me qualify that, every day. How many of us take time with God, and how do you do that, Dan? He's spirit, through His Word. When you spend time in the Word, you are literally fellowshipping with God, with Jesus. And if you're not giving attendance to reading, then guess what? No life. Less life. So let's close our eyes for a minute. Let's ask the Holy Spirit to put a check in our spirit if we are one of those people who need to give more attendance to reading the Word and then ask the Holy Spirit to give you the plan to make time. To make time. God is worth making time for Amen. All right, you can open your eyes. I really think that's important, right? Like, nobody goes without eating breakfast, lunch, and dinner, right? You need physical food to live. Well, you need the same kind of spiritual food to live the Christ life. It's vital. Like, you know, vital signs kind of measure what's going on inside your body, right? Well, the Word of God is vital just like that. Vitally important that we give attendance to reading. Okay, I'll get off that soapbox. So now we're going to take a look at some fundamental principles that we can apply that will help us to bear fruit. For that, let's go to John 15, 4 through 8. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. Notice how Jesus repeats himself over and over with this. You are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me, You can do no thing, no thing, nothing, meaning, meaning, not that things you do may not be beneficial, but things that are pertaining to the kingdom require spirit, requires the God kind of life, amen? If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, remember that, and it shall be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified, glorified, that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples." Notice that the word abide appeared six times in verses 4 through 8. What does it mean? It means to live in, take up residence in, settle down in. It means make a home there. Abide. It means having a faithful persistence towards developing an intimate relationship with the Lord. And since Jesus and His Word are one, when you spend time with the Word, you get it, you're spending time with Him. And then verse 8 says that in doing this, the Father is glorified. The Father is glorified when you completely, completely depend on him. And the way you remain in him and become dependent in him is to abide, to live in, take up residence in, settle down in the word of God, right? You should have a spot, right? Every day, this is like your spot where you meet with God. It should be a sacred place. It should be a place that you know when you go there, that is an intimate time and place for you and God. Let's continue. John fifteen nine and 10 says this. <clears throat> As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Jesus is now showing us and the disciples how all this comes together. And it's through trusting in the love of the Father. Amen? Trusting in His love will also lead to obedience. But Jesus takes it even further than love and obedience and connects joy to love and explains to them through His own example what that looks like. Verse 14. 11 and 13 of chapter 15, these things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Now, of course, Jesus is talking to the disciples, but he's talking to us, too. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down his life for his friends. So we see there is fullness of joy when we abide and keep his commandment to love and obey. Fullness of joy and obedience will also lead to self Sacrifice, self-sacrifice, because there is no greater love than for someone to sacrifice himself for his friends. Like, do do you sacrifice yourself for the person you say you care about? Or is it always about you? Is it always you needing to get what you want as opposed to? To sacrificing to give. Oh, yeah, it's a discipline because we're wired to be selfish. Our humanness, you know, is selfish. But God challenges us through living the vine life to be selfless. Amen? Remember, Jesus is our example. So, Whenever you find yourself, you know, swaying, falling off, falling short, go back to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and look at Jesus. He is our example. So now Jesus is about to describe how to build community in verses 14 and 15. If you are my friend, says, you are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends for all things that I heard from the Father I have made known to you. Now we know that that word Servant means slave. So Jesus is literally explaining to the disciples that he's been totally transparent with them throughout his three and a half years with them. Sharing with them intimate things that he has heard from the Father. And as a result of that, they're no longer slaves. They're no longer servants. They are now his intimate friends. They are his intimate friends. And that, that connotation, it kind of means personal affection, right? Personal affection or experience based love, meaning they did life together intimately being transparent, loving one another. So what is it that Jesus is trying to get across to them? To love in community, to simply love in community. Think about it. Jesus chose them, and he chose us too, and he's challenging us, just like he did with them, to do life together, to do life together. He made them his friends by being open and transparent, which is what he calls us to do, to be open and transparent, not only with God, not only vertically, but horizontally too. Now let's go back to our original text. You should have it memorized by now. John fifteen sixteen. You did not choose me, but I chose you. Just let that resonate for a minute. You did not choose me, Jesus said. I have chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit (laughs) and that your fruit should remain that whatever you ask the Father In my name, he may give you. Isn't it interesting how Jesus said that your fruit should remain? Well, the word remain is the same Greek word for abide. To live in, take up residence, and to settle down in. What Jesus was saying, I have chosen you, I have appointed you, that when you abide in my love, your fruit will take up residence, settle down in. It'll live in you to such a degree that you'll begin to experience unceasing fruitfulness. Anybody want some unceasing fruitfulness? Nobody? Okay. And when you bear fruit as a believer, it will show also through your conduct and your character. It will speak. Your conduct and your character will speak. Because remember, fruit is attractive, it's refreshing. So think about your conduct, your character, on your job. Is your fruit attractive or is it rotten? Are people drawn to you or do you repel people? How about in your marriage? Is your fruit attractive to your spouse? Or is it repulsive? How about in your community? What kind of fruit, what kind of character are you bearing? Because the kind of fruit that the vine life produces is the fruit of Galatians 5, and 23. Let's take a look. But the fruit of the Spirit is love joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such, there is no law. The Amplified says, against such that can't bring a charge. Like when you bear the fruit of the Spirit, there's nothing that can come against that. There's no law that can come against it. Church, Trinity, this is what God has called us to be. He's called us to bear fruit, to not just with our community, but with one another, to love one another. To live in community with one another, to be transparent with one another, to bear fruit unto God, so that we would be able to win more to God and to the kingdom. Amen? So, I have one more thing I want to say about John 15, 16. You mean there's more, Dan? I thought, man, you done exhausted that verse. <laughs> Not yet. There's more. That's the point. That's exactly the point. John 15, 16. You did not choose me, but I have chosen you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should remain. That whatever you ask the Father, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. The last thing that I think is vitally important about this chapter or this verse is prayer. Is prayer. Let me explain. While Jesus was with the disciples, they didn't need or want for anything. He supplied their every need. He was there for them. Every single time. Every single time. And now, he's giving them last minute instructions because he's about to wrap up the old and bring in the new through his blood and his sacrifice. And so he's instructing them that now that I'm about to finish this thing, go back to the Father, I will not be available to you in person. Listen to John 16, 23 and 24. And in that day, you will ask me nothing. Most assuredly, I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. Until now... You have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. And in Mark 11:24, I know this isn't in my notes, but I'm going to read it to you. Mark 11:24 says this: Therefore I say unto you, what things soever ye desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. So, Dan, what's the point? Glad you asked. So, Jesus is going back to be with the Father, but he's instructing the disciples on how to get their needs met. And he's telling them, the way you get your needs met is whatever you desire. And I hope that whatever it is you desire is according to the word of God. Because if it's according to the Word of God, whenever you pray, believe. Not not after you pray, not before you pray, but when you pray, whatever the desire of your heart is, believe in that moment that you have received, and the Bible says you will have it. Let me demonstrate. Father, I thank you. That your word declares that by the broken body of Jesus, I've been healed and made whole from the crown of my head to the soles of my feet. Father, your word also declares that you will provide all of my need according to your riches and glory. So, Father, I thank you that I have received what I have said when I prayed. Now, Father, I thank you for the manifestation. And now I just wait on it. And in the meantime, I just keep offering up thanksgiving. Father, I thank you that when I prayed two weeks ago, I gave you back your word. I believed then when I prayed, and I'm still thanking you for the manifestation of it today, Father. I thank you that I believe that I have received that what I've asked you for. That's how we receive from the Father. We also can use the name of Jesus. His name is authority. His name is is the name above every name. Let me demonstrate. In the name of Jesus, like Peter said to the beggar, right? In the name of Jesus, I command you to rise. Jesus, his name is authority. He's given us his name. That we would take authority over the enemy because it's not When you pray in Jesus' name, you're not asking God for anything. You're commanding the devil to get his nasty, dirty hands off of you, your family, your stuff, and give it back. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Trinity Community Church Podcast. We hope this met you exactly where you are. To learn more about us, head to our website at tccde.com or follow us on social media at Trinity Community Church. TCC, a home for you.